0: Everyone and welcome to the Overtime Leader Podcast. I'm your host Jillian Davis, and I am really excited to share this interview I'm going to have today with Richard Watkins. Uh, Richard is the founder of Let's Go, and is super passionate about all things human dynamic related, and also has a really fascinating background that I'm going to let him kind of give give you the insight to. Um, so. Richard, I'm going to hand it over to you. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit of where you've come from and what you're up to?
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, So originally my background, I actually started my career as a modern apprentice. I was 16 and left school and uh, joined BP, the oil company. And I was a scientist there or initially like a laboratory assistant and then um, did a chemistry degree and was working in labs Uh, developing new engine oils for ships. So I was doing all of that for about about eight years, uh, working in the oil industry and doing that sort of stuff. And then I made a jump and I did innovation consulting. So working to create new products, brands and services, mostly like consumer facing stuff at an agency called What If. Um, And so... And I did that for about another eight years and lived in China for a year and South Korea for a bit and traveled all around the world for mostly big brands and consumer facing brands. And then left that in 2016. uh, And then really was started off just as an independent consultant doing strategy and innovation projects. Worked in the Philippines. With coconut farmers helping an NGO build a resilience program, but also was working with a massive insurance company on how do their values live more in the organization so I kind of broadened out from uh, let's say consumer facing innovation to sort of a wider these kind of complex problem solving projects and then I that 's where I built my way into what I do now and what let's go, let's go does which is helping um, Organizations with collaboration, and and by collaboration, I mostly mean complex problem-solving projects that span across boundaries. Um, So that's like my journey, I guess, into it. And now, what I do is a range of things, from sort of training to actually helping support big complex projects, and um, uh, yeah, building tools so that to build the capability of people in big organizations to collaborate better.
0: Mm. And I know that collaboration is one of our um, favorite hot topics because
1: right. it's
0: modern organizations, you know, and, and everything's like a matrix. Collaboration has really become one of the biggest skills that not only at a leadership level, you know, everyone needs to understand how to collaborate better yeah. with one of, one another. So I've got so many questions about I mean, the biggest one, transitioning from scientist to innovation consultant. I can't imagine yeah. what that transition was like, but I yeah. want to make sure that <laughs> we, <laughs> we get into um, kind of your insights on yeah. the challenges of working across boundaries and how individuals and teams can, you know, work together on collaborating better.
1: Yeah, right. Well, I think the first thing to say on that is just that actually um, working in a lab, is, is, a, is a real, um, is, is not so dissimilar actually from working on an innovation project or, a, or even like a cost-saving project or anything. Any of these kind of, anytime you've got a complex problem that needs a load of different people to solve it together, I think it's actually ultimately it's less about what the topic is and it's more about the group dynamics. Like actually how do you gather people around the problem where the problem's too big for anyone to take on on their own? And I think that's where I realized is actually because I thought it was weird as well making that jump and then actually it's, it wasn't as weird as I thought because in the end it's just groups of people trying to solve complex problems together. I mean, I think the main, one of the big hurdles that I would say to collaboration in big organizations and probably anywhere is the sense that there is that, some, that collaboration is something that you should always do or that is always right in every situation and 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 I and there's can be a bit and there's a bit of a backlash if you like against collaboration because there's some sort of sense that you should be collaborating on everything. But everyone who's trying to get anything complex done knows that that's an absolute nightmare, and that trying to try and collaborate on everything or with everyone is is just bogs down your day and you never get anything done. And I feel like as important as knowing. Uh, how to collaborate, I think it's also important to know when to take something and just execute yourself or when actually to realize that a particular, like someone might want to collaborate with you, but that might just, they just might want to get something out of you or have you help them. And also realizing that, which is why I always think of if collaboration is getting things done in groups, um, then it's always worthwhile when we're talking about collaboration to think, what am I trying to get done? And what's the group that is going to help me get that thing done? Or what group am I part of or am I contributing to? And what is that group trying to get done? So collaboration isn't some, isn't good in itself. It's only good if it's helping you get stuff done in a group.
0: I agree. And you know, it's interesting when you said that, taking those that small amount of time at the start around like what do I want to get done yeah. and who do I need to get that done? Who do yeah. I need help with? Um, I feel like I've been in maybe guilty of this myself, but definitely been a part of this where that thinking hasn't been done at the start of a project. And it's like, you know, invite all to a project kickoff without really thinking through, do all of these people help? And most importantly, what, what expectation do I have from all these people? Cause person needs to wear a different hat. And sometimes you just need some advice from someone with experience. They don't need to contribute at 80% where someone.
1: And I think that, that, a sense that sense inv- that for good involvement, we should involve everyone all the time yeah. is, an, is an absolute dreadful thing. A, a, a way that I've started to think about it is let's say you've got 10 people in a meeting and the meeting is 60 minutes. Um, that's like six, six minutes each to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, if you put 20 people in that room, that's not, you've not doubled the engagement, you've halved it because yeah. people have got three minutes each. And and so often, like I've been part of meetings where you've got 30 people and you're expecting to solve something complex together. But if you've only got, let's say you've got three minutes each uh, in a conversation, right? What can you say in three minutes? You can just about introduce yourself. And so I think think thinking about involvement and like thinking about the amount of time and then dividing it by the amount of people is quite a good shorthand to realize the damage that you do as you... With every, ex- with every extra person that you introduce. Um, so, yeah, and I think you, your point about um, starting projects off and actually being thoughtful when you start projects off is, again, is a, it's like what I can never remember which round it is. There's that phrase, isn't there? Something like more speed, less haste, or more haste, less speed. I never know which way round it is, but, <laughs> but basically the idea that by rushing around, you don't always get more done. And like sometimes we by taking a pause to actually consider, like, what are we trying to get done? Who's the right people? What do we need to make this project really successful? What have we learned from previous projects? Like, that time will pay you back 10 times. But everyone seems to want to, like, rush ahead and, like, solve the, solve the problem straight away. But,
0: they yeah. Don't. And actually, on the flip side, I, that made me think about some sometimes people who don't take the time to think about the role that they play in those projects and if you're Mm. an overachiever type a you will you want to give a hundred to every single project yeah and it can be like debilitating and Mm. not taking that time to think actually why why am i involved what do they need from me you know how much time do i need to spend on this really um, because I just see people everywhere being completely stretched into, you know, multiple and we were talking about this pre-podcast, but being stretched in like seven different directions and not knowing what hat they need to wear.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I mean I completely agree. I think I feel I don't know, it's it's a funny one because we I mean, mostly people are I mean, busyness is the is the word that everyone says, like oh, how are you, O M busy? And I feel like the like you're saying I think I think we should be collaborating on the big important complex projects that are going to really deliver some kind of step change in how we're working and on loads of the things that are like it's also I guess and I know you talk about this a lot but like the focus is super important and knowing when when things are not priorities um yeah
0: it's Okay, so how does someone know when it's time to collaborate?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think it moves. Yeah, everyone, I think there's always, I sort of say there's sort of three things, that it needs to be important, Mm -hmm. um, it needs to be complex, um, and it needs to need alignment. So it needs to be important enough to invest in because collaboration does can take up more time and takes up more resource, right? So if it's not important, then then you've got a really good question, which is, is this worth the time that it's gonna take? The second point is complexity. Like if the problem, if you know sort of what the answer is already, sometimes people try and get people together because they think that collaborating will get everyone on board. Mm -hmm. But actually sometimes I think that's when it's really good to sell your idea (laughs) rather than try and collaborate on it. And actually, if you can just be honest that that's what you're doing, like maybe it's not so complex and maybe someone already knows what the answer is. And then maybe the answer is just to sell the idea. And so instead of inviting people to collaborate, you say, hey, I've got this proposal, I'd love your buy-in, let me sell it to you. So the idea that it needs to be, you need to not know what the answer is. Otherwise, what's
0: what's
1: the point? So important, complex, and then it needs to need alignment. Like, The thing that you're creating has to affect other people. And again, things that are just within your, let's say you're a leader and it's completely within your area of control and it's not really going to impact anyone else, then you might be tempted to bring people in to collaborate. But in a world where everyone's overloaded, it's worth interrogating whether that's what people actually want. But again, if you do really need alignment across the organization or you think, I don't know, like you're trying to redo your sale, your pricing strategy, and you've got, you've got three different product lines and you need all those product owners, right? Clearly you need the product owners to, 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 to align around what you're gonna, decisions you're going to make collectively. So that's where you really need. And, and, and again, this is where, like, I mean, politics is part of collaboration, bringing people together so that together you can work through a problem and come with a shared solution. Because I think in good collaboration, you sort of enter as separate entities and you exit as one entity, right? You, you're no longer just the collection of individuals. You're kind of the group, mm. right? Good collaboration, and that's a collaboration that isn't overloaded with people, that is important enough, that is a real challenging, tricky issue. When you come out, you're, you're not there going, oh, that's my idea, that's your idea. Somehow something else has happened, and you've actually, you're like, oh, no, we're, we're kind of one on this. And I think that's the goal of, um, well, that's what happens when collaboration works well yeah so important complex and needs alignment
0: and what what can people do to you know move that um, effectiveness of collaboration forward I mean I'm sure you've seen a lot
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean I'd love your yeah I'm sure you've got loads of experience with this as well like um I think I think one of the the, the thing that I talk about the most probably is just having better conversations mm-hmm. and and, and sort of speaking the truth about things even when that's difficult. So not hiding from conflicts um, or differences. Like let's say me and you are collaborating on something and our like our incentives might not be perfectly lined up. And I feel like in collaboration, that's fine as long as we admit it. Um so if we know that our like we can have a conversation, and you can say to me, Richard, like. I know you want this for this reason but I want this for this reason how can we come together around that whereas if we don't have that conversation then it becomes a like a almost like the dark arts yeah. of me trying to get what I want you trying to get what you want and we're not honestly saying no we want different things but if we can have that adult to adult conversation then it actually doesn't have to get in our way because I can acknowledge that your needs and wants are valid and you can see that my needs and wants are valid and then we can as two people who kind of hopefully care about this project, we can come together and, and, and realize. So I think the standard of conversation and the honesty and straightforwardness of conversation is um, is important, and that obviously takes a bit of courage and a bit of risk. Uh, but I feel like the best collaborators aren't ones that hide from the truth or or try and like paper over differences. They they're kind of open open about that.
0: Mm. What's,
1: what's some of the stuff that you you sort of see or what's what's um
0: so i feel sometimes that if you're someone that's brought into a team or a collaboration project right yeah team, but it's like your you might consider it your second class or third class mm-hmm. team, so it's not your um yeah. primary job the effort that goes into building those so uh, first Totally agree. Honest, open conversations about what we're all here to do and adult conversations about how things might impact us are like that's the fail-safe. If you have that, you know, you're already going a lot quicker than a lot of other collaborative projects. But then so when people have this kind of like, oh, I've been brought in because they need my expertise or whatever. Mm. Um but it's not my primary thing and it's not my main team. So I'm just going to show up to these meetings and be quite Mm -hmm. passive. And there isn't that um, engagement level or um, energy to take that risk and courage. Yeah. Um, But then going back to what you were saying earlier is that, you know, maybe those are examples when it actually doesn't need to be a collaboration project. So people are disengaged and if the, you know, if the thing that, they're trying to fix is so interesting, then it you will get higher engagement. So I've seen that, like people just not giving a shit.
1: Yeah, right. But I think that also comes back to what you were saying, the first thing you said, which is about, are you taking time at the start to, to interrogate that? Because for me, some of the not giving a shit or, or some of the people who are disengaged is because they've. if you look at how the project's run, there's never been the opportunity to engage. And actually some of those people, yeah, maybe it's their second Um, their second kind of priority or third priority but if they have the time to actually interrogate the question they might actually find something in it for them like actually maybe this is a really great opportunity for them to take a step up or maybe this is a really great opportunity for them to learn about how another side of the organization works or about how sales integrates with legal or whatever it is and and I think that's where you've got to not think of like, people's buy-in or commitment. You can't take that for granted. Like If you're running one of these projects, like having a moment with everyone going, okay, what is in this for everyone? Mm-hmm. Here's what I want to do or exactly. here's the task, but like, yeah. wh- why do we care about this? And actually yeah. not being afraid that maybe the answer... Because if you're so afraid that the answer is I don't care, that you never ask the question... You never get to learn, whereas actually, often there is something that people care about. And sometimes like I've been in collaborative projects where I've assumed that people don't really care, um, and actually, when you have the conversation, you say, "Oh, I'm not sure." Like, what? What do you find that people really do? And this is a sort of outside of work um, example. But I was working um, with a group of artists around the world on a project um, where different artists were working on each other's basically building on each other's artworks um, and sort of we were posting them around the world and it was called the airmail project and i did it with a la artist um uh as my main collaborator what was amazing about that is i maybe i in the early days of it i thought oh this is my idea this is my project um i've got to be really careful not to take up people's time but but i was so worried about that that i actually then, but when I actually opened the conversation, I learned that they, people were super engaged with the idea. People really wanted to give a lot, and actually, sometimes people have got more to give than you think. I mean, this project ended up we had like art shows in like Istanbul, LA, Beirut. Like people wanted to give a lot to the project, and I didn't know that at the start. But I think that's if you're holding a collaborative project, and it applies exactly the same at work. It's like you, actually sometimes people have got more to give than you think if you give them an opportunity which is sort of your first point which is you've got if you, it's so often that people don't take that moment to actually gather around what this project is
0: yeah very much and i would the other thing i see a lot you know, when you're leading these projects kind of like like what your example is making a lot of assumptions that either people yeah. care or don't care Yeah. Um, And and like you said, not taking that time up front to really align everyone on the why, the what, the how. Um, And often a lot of the kickoffs are just an email invite and that's it.
1: Yeah. And I think then maybe another point, just jumping off that, is the importance of recognizing the importance of the relationships as well as the activities. Um, I think we've all been part of, we've all been part of collaborative projects where you think really you end up thinking someone's just kind of using you or using your expertise. So you kind of feel a little like a a vehicle to deliver some kind of information or or something. And I think the more, whereas what happens in our static teams or our more permanent teams is we build relationships over time so we find out about people's lives and, and that bond, that sense of being in it together gives a team real resilience. And I think sometimes in collaborative teams, we're so in a rush for the activities, we forget the importance of the relationships. But the relationships are what give those collaborative teams resilience. So even, of course, that's not... Say if you've been in a team for 10 years or five years or two years even, that's really different from being thrown into a collaborative project. But if there's the care taken to actually invest a little bit in, oh, who are you? Who am I? Like, hey, let's... I don't know, maybe that's going out for lunch or having a drink together. But like these kind of activities aren't uh, nice to have. They're, they're, they're actually investing in the resilience of the team because inevitably if you're taking on something complex, something's going to go wrong. Someone's going to under-deliver on something that, that through not, not through bad intentions, but just something's not going to be delivered well um, maybe a problem is going to be trickier than you first thought. Maybe um, you're going to hit a kind of internal roadblock that you didn't predict. Like these are all really normal experiences in collaboration, collaborative projects and working across boundaries. And the more you have invested in the relationships, the more you essentially have the resilience as a, as a collaborative team to bounce back from or um, heal from difficulties or challenges.
0: Okay, so I... How do you kind of fast track that? Because a lot of if you are with a team for five years, for example, mm-hmm. you you know learn from being together, from being around different projects, going through those yeah. highs and lows, understanding each other, all that stuff. How do you accelerate that on a because let's assume what like we're seeing collaborative projects are a bit more short term? Yeah. How, how can you accelerate that?
1: So Daniel Coyle's got a book called The Culture Code, and he wrote about high-performing teams in loads of different environments, um, like sports teams, uh, like Navy SEALs, like, you know, some business teams. And one of the things that he talks about is, is he talks about, because everyone knows that psychological safety is important in teams and vulnerability and connections is important. But he basically talks about how the engine for that you assume that trust happens when almost like when there's enough trust, then actually people get vulnerable. And he basically found that in the highest performing teams, it's the opposite. It's what happens the opposite way around is Mm -hmm. that by being vulnerable, trust is built. Mm -hmm. And I think if we're talking to leaders on this podcast, and I would say that in a collaborative endeavor, a leader isn't the person who owns or even is, hierarchically in charge of a collaborative project but collaboration offers everyone the chance to be a leader even as a contributor right and i would say that the main that there's an important work to be done about about exposing a bit more of yourself about maybe being a bit vulnerable maybe about speaking about the worries that you have about the project as well as the hopes maybe uh giving a bit more of when you don't know and like exposing that a bit more. And what that does that is that is an active work that creates the space for other people to begin to open up. So I think in a stable team, you can rely on time doing that work. And in a collaborative team, you need a bit more courage because you need to step into that without, let's say, the full bed of trust that you would hope to be there. Yeah. And, and of course, as leaders we're asked to move into more chall- emotionally challenging spaces. And I think that's one of them, which is being a bit more vulnerable and, um, and, and maybe even reaching out to people to, to make suggestions like, Hey, I'd like really like to get lunch with this team. I'd like to find out more about you. Like those kind of moves, which in traditional, like we haven't traditionally coded those as leadership, but they always have been. I mean, it's, yeah. Always been leadership moves in order to build connections. That's a real, uh, and I I think I I guess I feel I mean, I'm lucky. I've been, I've had amazing leaders in my life, like in that I've learned from. And I've, and I think that's a big part of it that recognizing the human dynamics that are at play as well as the task at hand.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think what's exciting to see is more and more people are realizing that and becoming the more norm, but also. I think organizations are recognizing those people that do that really well. Versus yeah. in the past, it was recognizing it was all about like, outcome. Yeah.
1: And of course, there's a gendered dynamic to that as well. Like mm. in how ha- and, and we're seeing the um the 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 sort of like caricature masculine masculine business like of the sort of 1980s business school kind of world is like doesn't work in a complex environment. And like, we need a more, um, yeah, more human, rounded, open, like those things aren't nice to have. They're like powerful in a networked, complex environment. Um, And yeah, I mean, again, none of us do it. I mean, none of us do it perfectly, but stepping into those places and trying.
0: Uh, At least, uh, yeah, I mean, trying. (laughs) That's the key one, Just try. Try what it feels like. It's. Mm. I think if you've been conditioned, you know, to work in one way and it's not working, you know, just try little things like, I think this, I mean, we did a podcast with Kate Reese on vulnerability, mm. you know, and it can feel really scary. I have, you know, I've been in workshops where people have, they just want to talk about the work and that's fine. And you need to respect that. But, you know, playing around with ways that you can create connection without feeling like your whole self is on the table. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's a whole other. Thing.
1: Yeah. But I think at that point I would just, just, just echo it. really, but that idea of we're just trying, like we're just weird little animals messing about to try and get things done. Like I think there's no magic answer to any of this. Mm-mm. And, and I think the idea of just giving things a go um, and maybe an important part of that is, is let's say in the, I mean, co- collaboration projects go are difficult and challenging and go wrong as much as they're amazing, energizing and go right. Realizing that that's also part of, that's part of it. Like you, you can't expect to get them right all the time and creating the space to reflect. And, and that's why I guess things like retrospectives are super important for these kind of projects, because the extent to which you're able to look at how a project's gone together, um, reflect on it and figure out what you would have done differently first of all everyone then leaves with a deeper sense of what they would do next time right for the next kind of project like that but secondly it also kind of validates and reinstates the relationships that have been formed because you all feel like you've had this shared experience of learning something I mean I in 2009 I ran a, a really big um innovation project that went terribly badly wrong like it was complete disaster the client didn't didn't even want to pay for it in the end and it was a very expensive project and i worked with this guy and um but through that experience the bond that we were able to we both were able to own our part of what didn't work and of course it wasn't all our fault either but um then the next time we entered a project we had a much smoother dynamic and i think sometimes collaborative projects are like that in an organization you work on a project together whether or not it goes well or badly if you reconnect and and like learn something from it then you're building organizational capability
0: mm-hmm. and
1: if you just walk away from a project that didn't work very well hoping that no one will ever notice you'll lose you're missing out on the opportunity to actually deepen your understanding of how things could work um, or how things need to be done to work around here.
0: So on point, I think for me, when people talk about it, like the buzzword around failing, yeah, failing for me is when you do the latter and mm. something doesn't go as planned it is not a failure. Um, but if you don't take the opportunity to pick out the learnings and build that organizational capability and you just kind of brush it off and pretend it never happened or, Then that's failure. But it's not a failure when you're learning and you can't learn if you don't try.
1: Yeah, and I and I actually have I mean, I feel a bit funny about the word failure because I think it's I think the way it's been used is in order to pierce a bubble, right? Like, oh, it's good to fail. And actually I think there's the truer thing is what you've said, which is we don't need to fail fast, we need to learn fast. And when we learn fast, like clearly not everything's gonna work all the time, but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean we're not yeah, I think it's a, fu- it's a funny word that's sort of buzzing around at the moment, isn't it?
0: Totally agree. I'm grateful that it's buzzing away from the echo chamber that word, fail. I want to, I'm mindful of, of time and yeah. I want to check in with you to see if there's anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think maybe the one thing I would just say more from the, the, all the way that we do it Let's Go is we have, a I guess, a, a way of, I think one of the things about collaboration is having an ordered way to think about it so that you can think about it clearly. So we've talked a lot about, I guess, some of the complexities and, and, and all of this. And I think this is great, but I think it also can really help to have a more ordered way to think about collaboration. Um, and that, I guess, is... A lot of the work that I've done and what I built let's go from, so I did a TEDx talk uh, yeah. last year in Italy, and um which kind of outlines I guess some of the key dynamics that I think we need to interrogate and and i just I guess just say that I, I'm not convinced that everyone needs to use our model because you know I mean a model is just a model, but I would say that that I think having a shared language for collaboration across the system is really important and having a way to interrogate the projects that you're doing. That is kind of that manages to contain both the both the things like the relationships, but also things like the tasks and the key performance indicators and the financial implications and all of that. So having a holistic way to look at the projects that we're part of. And so realizing yeah and so having having a system or a structure or a model to think about it I think is really valuable as well because it is it's such a we are dealing with complexity and complexity um can be overwhelming and I think these days we talk a lot about leaders needing to handle complexity but actually I would say that we need tools to handle complexity that's all the other complexity that we we navigate we navigate with simple tools and I think tools are important in collaboration as well.
0: Yes, yeah, Having that stuff people can rally around, right. Instead of just being. Yeah.
1: Leader. And then, and then not everything's just different people's ideas in their heads, but stuff can be on the wall or on the, on the floor or um, a bit more grounded. And the collaboration cards, which is one of our tools uh, is a really, I guess is, is, is a, is one of the things that we do that, that people really appreciate because it, brings these conversations down to very grounded practical uh conversations about group dynamics and about how we navigate the dynamics of groups um, so yeah i that, I'd, I'd sort of throw that into the into the ring but um
0: i like it well and i'm gonna make sure that we link both to the cards and your ted talks and it's really good
1: no thank you and it's um yeah no, I think it's a it's an interesting word. It's the trouble with the world is it's so full of um, it's so full of bullshit uh, that it's nice to be having a conversation around like quite yeah quite grounded. Um, like in the end, I think sometimes leaders need to also know that they can trust their experience. Mm. And it's not yeah the world of work is changing and it's new, but also ultimately we're just working in groups to try and get things done and actually. That's something that every human can do, and and I think creating the space for honest conversations and honest reflection is important. But um, anyone who makes collaboration sound sound like it's rocket science is um, is not to be trusted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, oh no, well, thank you so much for your time and insight. It's been an absolute pleasure. And yeah, I, lo- I love having no bullshit conversations about <laughs> yeah. um, the real world. And, you know, these yeah. are hurdles that, yeah, we just, at the end of the day, we're just people trying our best.
1: <laughs> You're very, very good at it, which is why I'm grateful to be on the, on the podcast.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, well, thank you everyone for listening. I'm, I have no doubt that we're going to have Richard back on in the future to talk more in depth about the different things that, that he is working on. So thanks again, Richard.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Jillian.